Crystal Pig and the Bear is a collection of conversations between two best friends of 30 years, ranging from friendship to spirituality <laughs> and all the stuff that happens in between. We hope you enjoy. Morning, Steve Gallagher. Hey, man. How's life? <laughs> life is too sweet. Too sweet. You're not saying that because of NWO. Too bit. sweet. A little bit. Was, I'll have to go back and edit that out because that sounded horrible. <laughs> yours or mine? Mine. Yeah, yours was, that was bad. Yeah. Uh, life's good. Just finished a week of testing. Start the new semester at school this Wednesday. Yeah, this Wednesday, Tuesday. What is this? End of second quarter. Yeah, yeah. And uh, church is going good. Preaching again. Uh, Nicole's in the throes of theater world. What what play is she doing again? What musical? They're doing Legally Blonde for the spring musical, but they just did auditions for the International Thespians, um, their their regional competition. So they submitted those, and uh, they'll find out, I think, next week whether they go to state or not. And there's, I think there's a pretty good chance. Nice. So uh, life's good. Reading a lot. Therapy's going well. Um, yeah. How about you? Good. Uh, good, good. Staying busy at work. Uh, lives in the process of deciding if she wants to, to do a sport this spring. And if so, if she's going to do soccer, which she's never tried, or going back to softball. So that's right. going on. And um, yeah, just have some side projects going on. Um, that I'm working on, and then we're doing this and talking about our plans for 2023. What what do we want to do with Whistle Pig and the Bear and all that fun stuff? You know, heck yeah! So I uh, got to have lunch with Spurdy this week. Yeah, so that was good. Saw him and got to grab a quick bite and caught up with Chip Early yesterday, which he's coming to town next weekend. Love me, Chip. Yeah, so it'll be be good to see him and and catch up. So shout out to those guys. Put him uh, on the podcast. That's right. I just need to tell him to come out Saturday. Let's just interview and talk to and him. And record. All right, Chip, there and, it is. And him or Tracy or both. Yeah. Uh, Tracy will be in Seattle with their daughter. Well, never mind. And, uh, and then Chip was thinking him and Ash would do something, and then Ash said, I'm out of... Out of pocket, and so Chip said, "I'm headed to North Carolina." Then, there we go. So I'm like, "Heck yeah!" Have a every guy needs to have a guy's time away, his his own time away. But yeah, yeah, good stuff. What's going on at uh, at the Grove Church? Anything? Uh, well, we're getting ready to start a series, but we postponed it for a week. Um, I think you know uh, our mm, friend Jeff. That's right. His mom is uh, with them, and 
she's in the final days, I think, of her um, battle with cancer. So um, thoughts and prayers I've to been, those guys. Yeah, I've been speaking a lot. So tomorrow I'm going to speak on the need for community, being around the table, a lot of stuff we talk about here. Yeah. And uh, then we will be starting a year-long journey through Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart. Yeah, you just put that in the uh, in a little group text to some of our friends that I was in and recommended that as a reading. Steve, for those of you who, who don't know, does not always enjoy group texts. Oh. Uh, and he's not even sure why. <laughs> Serenity now. But... It Serenity does spike his, it spikes his blood pressure, just the thought of those little dings. Oh, in succession. And, 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 and I kind of get it, and I kind of don't, because here's where I'm at with it. it can, it's like rapid fire. It's like a drive-by. Right. We're, You're not so, expecting it, and then it's like, bam, bam, bam. Yeah, some of the folks in our group, our friends, love social media and to talk to each other and... um. And uh, it doesn't bother me because I just don't worry about it. I don't know if it's. I don't worry about it. Need to re- I don't. <laughs> Let's. Well, hey, you know, I don't hey, know if we had. Hey, a, I don't hey, know if we had an hey. agenda. I don't know if we had an agenda hey. for today's conversation. It's an intervention. Let's let's turn it into an intervention about my stress with the group. <laughs> well, hey, four weeks ago we had an intervention on my Facebook posting. So. <laughs> But who's counting? That I wasn't <laughs> expecting. Um, that was that did turn into a drive-by. My apologies for that. Man, that was that turned so quick. <laughs> I got I started getting texts. Are you and Steve okay? <laughs> oh, yeah. If only they would have lived with us on tour, or been Ooh. a roommate of ours, or uh, lived uh, in Bartow with us. Jeez. Yeah. Anyway. We so, we've mellowed out in our age. That that used to be an every other day thing. Yeah. <laughs> or I've mellowed out. So we'll be we'll be starting small groups. So that's it. I mean today I've got some work to do to close the semester. I've got to brew some nitro coffee. I need to get some new books into the bookshop. I've got to do a couple of Now when you were here for New Year's Eve, you went over and hit McKay's. I did. Used bookstore. Did that did. did that stock you up a little bit? No, I ended up almost giving all of those. Are you to, serious? To uh, Jackson, I said. Jackson. Oh, I kept I kept saying, "Have you read this? Have you read this?" So I think I left him with about twenty five, thirty books. I mean, he's got an instant library. I, that's what I was getting ready to say. Is now he's got to buy a bookshelf. If you hang out with me, that's what happens. It was it was funny. I don't know if Jacks picked up on this, um, but it was. It was fun to watch in an innocent kind of way, in a non-malicious kind of way. Was hi, Jax. Hey, Jax. This is uh, <laughs> this is for you. Uh, in in retrospect, here's some reflection. So, Jax was kind of hanging near you as you were shopping throughout it, and I didn't know if Jax knew that McKay's had uh, used cameras, video equipment, and I know that uh, Jax has enjoyed that in the past. And so yeah. I said, "Hey." If uh, I said you want to, you want to go over and look at some gear, and he goes, "Well, we're going to head there next." <laughs> now, uh, I only, I only <laughs> go here in fairness to Jacks because you and I have been going to used bookstores or stores like used bookstores 
for 20 plus years. And so yeah. I know the routine. You know the routine that when we walk in, I'm heading to the restroom. You're going to do, like within 10 minutes, I'm heading to the restroom. Yeah. Looking for one. It's, it's, it's the strangest <laughs> thing with you. Like, I've often wondered, if Steve encounters a bout of constipation, does he just stop by a bookstore? A, a used, and it's There's, a used bookstore. Barnes & Noble doesn't bookstore. do it for me. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's, a, it's an old book <laughs> smell or something. But it is like... Uh, Milk of Magnesia. <laughs> I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I used to have a pastor who okay. would say, if you're ever blocked up, take you a spoonful of baking uh, soda. Wow. Arm and hammer. Never Arm heard and that hammer. one. And I'm like, huh? And he's <laughs> like, just make sure you're on the toilet before the spoon hits the mouth. Though. What? Yeah. He swore by it. I've never been able to do that. But anyway, bookstores have the same effect on you. But, and it's Use within, I'm not walking in going, let me go in here and find a bathroom. It's I go in, I get to a to a section that I'm going to look at, and then within five minutes, guaranteed. Yep. In one of our favorites, um, Piedmont Books over on Renolda Road in Winston. Shout out to Gene and the team there. They don't have. They don't one, have. So they you don't gotta have. Go to the food line. <laughs> and I always feel bad because I'm like, well, let me go over here and buy you know cookie or something because <laughs> Steve's exploded their toilet. <laughs> So how did we? Oh, so we're at McKay's. Jacks. <laughs> how did we? And for those of you who don't remember, Jack's been a guest on here before. Yes. Our friend Rob Spurdy is his son. Yeah. He's our friend. Anyway. So uh, Jax is there, and he goes, "We'll we'll head over there next, right?" Which is which is kind of a common assumption that you might make is, "Hey, I want to see what my friend's looking at, and then he'll come and look at what I look at." And I said, "I said, <laughs> hey, buddy." If you want to look at anything, you better do it now because when Hewitt's ready to go, <laughs> you're gone. And so <laughs> I'm not paying any attention. That that has pat that thought has come and gone. And who else? Who did I have with me? Dwayne. I had Dwayne Agard with me. Shout out to Dwayne. And Dwayne had looked. Who is most likely not listening? To who who is, who may there. not be listening? Uh, and so Dwayne. Uh, goes through the checkout. He's got like three or four books. Jack's also at this point is realizing what he's in for when he sees your shopping cart is completely full and books are falling out of your shopping cart. And so um, I, I think I said it again to him, like, "Hey, you may want to go look." And so we get everybody's through the checkout line and we're turning around, and I realize that Jack's is just now starting to get to look at the things. <laughs> Yep. And if no one's ever shopped with with Matt in a used bookstore, when he's ready to go, <laughs> he's ready to go. Unless there is a free book bin. <laughs> yeah, man, you tried to keep me. You tried to cut me off of that, but I went back in and got four or five more. <laughs> and so, for some reason, you don't look at the free books until you leave. Right. That's always your your like your cigarette afterwards is hitting the free book bin. Let, let's not mention <laughs> cigarettes again after anything. Oh, wait a minute. Let's not. Let's not do that. For those of you who can't see, because um, this is probably not being recorded, Steve can't breathe right now. He's, he's, he's having a laughing fit, and uh, he can't even get the air out to laugh. He's just... 
I'm waiting for you to kill over oh, at any point. God. All right. I got to get a drink of coffee. Yep. You do. Oh. Oh, iced coffee. Okay. Yes. So anyway, that is our pattern. And Jax looks up like, where did the guys go? Because everybody divides and conquers when they go in. I'm going to go look at my area. And and I could tell. I don't think Jax was expecting anybody to go uh, look at gear with him. But I didn't. I, I don't think he expected anybody to leave him. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing to add. I had no value to add. I was like, it's like when Damon Johns on Shark Tank says, uh, "I like what you're doing. Yeah. I know you got a heart for it. Yes. I just have no value to add." And, and he's so out. I'm out. Yep. So I think I think it was it was like watching young Padawan learn. Oh, this is this is a learning moment. So. Um, thanks, Jax, for letting letting us. Uh... And he definitely got rewarded. I mean, oh yeah, got no, the the payoff. Yeah, he has an instant library now. I mean, he had books before. It's not, right, right, yeah. right. But it was a whole different level. Yeah, of like it, watching you share that with him and and walk him through. Hey, have you read this? And uh, and then you were, we were laughing. Jax was like, how does Steve know what books to come and put in your buggy without asking you? Yeah. And uh, we have a history there of shopping via FaceTime. Been around a long time, man. Oh. Long that was uh That was a good laugh. That yeah. was good. Oh, Needed that. man. Hey, have you read... No. Dallas Willard. Sin of a Mission. Divine conspiracy. The it's about Psalm twenty three. Shepherd. I can't see the name of it. Hold on. Life without lack. I have not. What? Tell me a little bit about Dallas Willard because I I saw this book. I've always heard you mention his name because of Divine Conspiracy, which I've never read. Shame on me. I know. I roll. Uh, but that, that sounds like a Kenneth Copeland title. I don't, I don't know how many of them read it, but I probably took 500 students at least. That's conservative through the divine conspiracy. I mean, that's, that's a staple that you take people through. Dallas Willard was a uh, professor of philosophy. Okay. Uh, I want to say at USC or UCLA. Okay. Um, over in Cali. And I I don't know that this is a this is this is a bit of an overstatement. Okay, but for the he was the Richard Rohr for evangelicals. Hmm. Other words. Uh, he was kind of this fatherly figure. Richard Rohr wouldn't have been the Richard Rohr for not, evangelicals? Not, not for that long. Richard Rohr was... What Richard Rohr was for progressives. Okay. Is what Dallas Willard... He, he He's shepherding, he's pastoring, he's teaching, he's doing it. And, and it, uh, it's just like, it's really hard to argue with Richard Rohr if you actually read him. Mm-hmm. Even at, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of evangelicals who push against him and they say all these things. 
but most of them truly haven't read a book of Richard Rohr's right. because there's just so much scriptural. Um, How could you argue with it? Right on there, you you could, but you certainly wouldn't be just dismissing him mm -hmm. as some kook or whatever. So Richard Rohr again, philosophy, but he he wrote a book. The Divine Conspiracy, which is 300-plus page commentary on the three chapters, pretty much, of uh, the Sermon on the Mount okay, in, in the book of Matthew. Um, and he was just a, a paradigm shifter. He exploded a lot of things for people. Mm. Um, didn't really get in the weeds, as far as I can tell, with any of the hot-button topics. Um, and what what year was divine conspiracy? When did that come along? Would, uh, would that have been? I mean, like, are we talking like early two thousands, late nineties? I mean, probably nineties. I don't. I, I don't have my phone on me, so I'm not. I'm. I'm looking. Hang on. Uh, the divine. And so, while you're looking that up, are you? It's like the the visual that I get as you describe him and Roar is. Are you saying that they they uh, invite people to, or guide people to the middle from whatever corner they're they're in? Is that would that be an accurate no, visual? No, how do you actually, how do you mean that? They actually push you to the edge, but they do it in a way that's palatable. All right, so so think if I am a, a pretty conservative Nin leaning ninety ninety eight. Okay, ninety eight. That's when we graduated from undergrad. Uh, yeah, I think it came out in 98. So, but, but the visual that I have is if somebody is, is very conservative or, um, lean, you know, really heavy leaning, right, uh, conservative evangelical, a roar for them would not take them further to the right. No. But roar, roar, uh... Roar opened a lot of progressives up back in the day. But what do you mean by that? Like when you say opened up progressive up, how would you how would you elaborate or extrapolate that in the sense of first of all, how so do you Roar, define a progressive? I um progressive is someone who sees so progressive Christianity is uh, it's it's many layered now but the way i would have described it would have mm -hmm. been a person who was at the within the mainline churches and saw that the truest way to be true to the faith is mm -hmm. to keep progressing with it so progressive christianity believes that there's a progression as we begin as we understand more, mm -hmm. as we uh, understand science more, as we understand God more, ourselves, Christology, biology, that um, we're we're moving forward. That that it's not meant to stop and have gatekeepers, so right. to speak. So, so for me, the reason the reason I ask that is in in everyday vernacular, a progressive yeah. is Democrat left-leaning right like that's that's the so, label that we go to progressive for you and 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 i'm with you like i'm i'm tracking with you but 
I really so want to make me, sure that somebody who's listening to this doesn't hear, oh, you so mean let a me, Democrat let me, Christian. Let me say it this way. Progressive okay. Christianity um, is characterized by a willingness to question tradition. Okay. Uh, it accepts human diversity. Okay. Has a strong emphasis on social justice and care for the poor and oppressed mm -hmm. and an environmental stewardship of the earth. It's good. Um, and it's, I, and I like I like that focus post, on that first how a, you led with that. Yeah, it's a postmodern theological approach mm -hmm. which says certainty is not the key. Do you know Faith, what? Let me let me say this. I want to interrupt because yeah. the, the beauty of this moment was that this morning, whenever whenever we're preparing. Uh, when I'm getting out of bed early on Saturday and, and know that I, I need to set up the gear to record and all of that, I always have a thought of if Matt doesn't have anything, what would be a question that I would ask uh, to, to launch into conversation or to explore together? And the, the question that I had kind of put out there was, what is it in Christianity that has so many static in their faith? So I just want to acknowledge that without any intention of going towards that, or at least with any, this is where we're, we're headed now. And so I love, I love how you're describing this progressive Christianity to break the, the stereotype and the label of the word progressive. So I just wanted to acknowledge that as a thanks to the universe. <laughs> <laughs> To the divine, hint, hint, to God. Hint, hint, it's a <laughs> nod to the universe. Yeah. Uh, uh, so the progressive, not static, willing to question, open to, it's not fixed and rigid. No, it sees it as dynamic. So, uh, just as those many, I mean, there is no evangelical Christianity there are only evangelical Christianities mm. right you find there's a lot in that spectrum okay. right progressive Christianity is the same so you'll have some mainline churches that they're considered progressive because maybe their people uh, vote more Democrat and they talk about social justice okay. I mean there was a time a decade ago or so that Glenn Beck said, if you hear the word uh, social justice from your pastor, you need to run from your church, mm -hmm. right? Because um, I got a lot of people then texting me and calling me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I hear you say this a lot. Um, but a lot of people will say that uh, more conservative bent, uh, someone like a Dr. Michael Brown mm -hmm. and others, they'll say progressive Christianity is a recent movement that has infiltrated churches. Yes. When you hear the word infiltrated, right, right. you can kind of get a sense of where they're coming from, that they're not pro-whatever. But you're right. It's not necessarily a political piece, but I would say most progressives, as it stands right now, would skew toward a Democratic or a Libertine or a Green Mm-hmm. Most of them would probably more be in a green movement politically, but mm -hmm. they 
just don't believe that that's going to get anything done so they move more democratically but they it's it's a one of the one of the easier ways for me to kind of describe it in in my thinking or for me to articulate it my own thoughts is that conservatism um in politics think republican think um evangelical christianity mm-hmm. um or orthodox in the sense of conservative catholic conservative eastern orthodox um they're going to be more individual focused mm. So sin for them is something you do that I do. We do. Mm-hmm. We take care of ourselves. I don't want the government. I don't want anybody else controlling my things. I need my things. Mm-hmm. Whereas progressivism and um, how it typically aligns, I think, with democratic or other more liberal pieces is that it focuses more on systems. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that individual has got to make his choice or her choice or their choice, but there's a system at work against them or mm-hmm. there's a system that's benefiting them. And if we're ever going to get to the root of, per se, sin, then we have to change systems, whereas conservatives will typically talk about sin as an individual act. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think they're interesting that way. No, and I would would say about me and you, we're both more centrist. Yeah. In everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and And, we know that it's usually not an either or, it's a both thing. Right. Because there's good in everything. And then there's there's also the, we know how that gets hijacked for. Yes. There is a brokenness and a sinful element to individuals, but there's also a greater system that helps perpetuate mm-hmm. that brokenness and that pain and those kind of pieces. So I was reading, I'm reading currently Universal Christ by Roar. Right. Maybe this is a good way to put it. I said this to my church the other day, and I say this a lot, probably on here a lot. Truth to me and I was talking about the prophetic office in the church, and I mm-hmm. was speaking at it in a pretty radically different manner than what you and I grew up with yeah. of thinking what a prophet was. But a prophet speaks the truth to power, and in doing so, a prophetic voice, whether that's Christ or a prophet or Martin Luther King Jr. or whether that's good literature, Truth, in my opinion, comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. Say that again. Comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. Yeah. Okay. It is something that's—it's an adjustment, Mm. uh, like on your your steering in your car. Mm -hmm. It's an alignment thing. Got it. Truth is true. Truth so it's bringing balance. Prophetically, is bringing it's back yes, to the middle. It's, yeah, it's 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 taking you where you need it. 
Mm. So if we're talking about how the empire, okay, using yep. that as a generic term, it's a system, uh, sometimes figureheaded, that uh, that seeks to keep a certain group of people in power and another group of people subjugated. Truth spoken to power will then uh, comfort those being afflicted. God is on your side. Blessed are you, poor in spirit. Mm. Um, uh, but it will also afflict the comfortable. Mm. Uh, it will say, hey, you need to give up a seat at the table. Uh, your turn, you know, uh, you need to make sure there are other voices being heard. You may not have chosen to be born straight and cis and mm -hmm. white and male and American, but you were. Right. So just know that. And in the words of the great American prophet, Peter Parker, <laughs> with great responsibility comes great power. Mm -hmm. That's or good. I'm sorry, with great power, power comes, comes great, great responsibility. responsibility. Right. So, yeah, you may not have asked for the spider to bite you, but it did. Right, and and you may not have asked for a seat at the table. Right, but you got one. But you got one, and so now how will you use it? Yeah. And there's something Jeez. about that, right? It's that balance of... Are you going to be that... That self-preservation, right? Yeah. Right. So, so there's a lot of my friends and a lot of people who fit my stereotype, mm -hmm. or, or not my stereotype, my type, white male cis, mm -hmm. straight American who in a thousand years would never ride a subway and keep their seat if they saw an elderly person walk on or a woman walk on in a minute. I mean, it would kick in like, like just your dad, memory. your dad popping you in the back of the head. Get up, give Get your up, seat to give your seat. And, for whatever reason, they can't draw the parallel of what that means mm -hmm. financially, politically, and all those kinds wow. of pieces. Uh, I don't know why they can't draw that parallel. Mm -hmm. And you're like, dude, you're so such a good person on the inside of your core. Um, and, and they're the kind of people who will other others and, they other others. They will other. They will um, be the first to push against someone who's uh, in the LGBTQ. They'll mm -hmm. talk about all these things. Um, but if the individual came to a family cookout or to a church service, they'd be loved and welcomed on. Absolutely. It's, it's like when when it's kept in the abstract then they'll rail against it in a way that they right, never right, right. would if it were a human with a name in front of them, which is why I talk so much about the the, the, the problem with labeling versus naming. It's what allows us to commit atrocities. Oh, it's that gay. And that's, that's where... It's not, it's not Sam. It's that gay. Right. The, the, um, the thought when you, when we started with, talking about Dallas Willard and, and Richard yep. Rohr, and you said the word progressive, I know where historically 
you know, maybe 10 years ago where my mind would have gone the moment you said the word progressive. It's, right. it's that Glenn Beck, the moment you hear someone say this word, you need to shut down. Like all the walls go up, right. the trap doors close, everything just, you go on lockdown and, yeah. and you don't hear anything else that the person has to say. And so really trying to help uh, this community that, 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 sit at the table for these conversations that listen to these is saying, Hey, when you find yourself in your uh, Christian circle or your evangelical circle and the conversation about those gays or, or that community, like I, I would just, I would invite or encourage notice your response in those moments. What is your response as someone saying, who am I? How do I want to embody uh, the spirit of, of Jesus? How, right, like, what is, what is my response? And, and, and I've shared this a number of times here. It wasn't until working a six-week, what was supposed to be a six-week contract job at, at, um, at School of the Arts where when I listened to a student affairs intern uh, who was finishing up grad school and was sitting in uh, a team meeting and we were, we were doing some group exercises and I'm, I'm just kind of the, okay, I'm only here for six weeks. And I, I started catching bits of how people had been treated by the church and all of a sudden going, oh, wait a minute, oh. I've done that. Yep. And, and, and feeling, and feeling horrible, feeling not, not guilt, not, I hadn't been guilted into anything. It was just, oh, that's, that's how that feels to be on the other side of that comment. I don't, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. Um, but, but you realize the more you chew on that, you realize how it's easy to go to that in default mode. Um, and so just trying to. How do you, you have a seat at the table and the table might be you're in a Christian community. Maybe that's the table we're talking about. How do you right. use your, your place there? How do you, the space that you're taking up, what, what are you doing with it? How are you using it? What are you, who are you advocating for? Who are you representing? Those thoughts. So no, it's it's really good. So so when you're talking Dallas Willard and so and I'm Roar, talking about I'm talking about a prophetic voice within okay that group. So I would say that when you read Dallas Willard, now I would be a little suspect mm-hmm. of the book you mentioned. Yeah, because that title doesn't match with well, what I've heard you say about Willard. Well, here's what happened is. There's been several books published posthumously. Okay. So he died in like 2013, and I think the book you mentioned came out in 2018. Got it. So there's there keep some of these folks who passed. They they people are like, "Have you read this book?" And I'm like, "What? I've read everything Dallas Willard's written. Yeah, well, yeah. Everything that was published, and and I don't know. So I haven't read that stuff. So I don't know if an editor's gotten a hold of." future stuff i mean former stuff and Mm. and and it's gonna lack that edge or if it was edgy 
too edgy that that Dallas didn't do it. Got but it. I tend to think it's the former. I tend to think it was. But he didn't necessarily see it worthy. I don't as being published, and people I, are making. Money I don't know off that the it. I don't know that the average person has that thought when they pick up a book. Well, you got to. But I'm saying. It's not just the book; it's the publisher. It's not right, just right, the publisher. right. It's who's benefiting from this. It. Is this it a society, or is it a this family topic that's benefiting from it? Past is accredited to, right, or endorsed by this author. Well, I I love Richard Rohr. Yada yada yada. I mean, this the CAC could do the same thing. We they wouldn't, but they could do the same thing with Rohr. You know, ten years. Oh yeah. After. Well, I'm sure they. I'm, I'm sure. You, I mean, they that they would, which right. is why somebody, which is why I think somebody like Roar has put together a committee. Yes. yes. Who is he feels espouses the values, trust the message yes. to, whereas others are situations from family. The way I first kind of realized this was I read, I read the Imitation of Christ. Mm-hmm. In three different translations. Okay. I'd only ever read it in one. Um, it's an odd thing because when you read a Russian, a Dostoevsky, a Tolstoy, mm -hmm. the editor, the translator is important. Correct? Okay. Well, when something's published in English, you don't think of it needing a translator. But there's old English, right? Mm. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and there's variations and so what happens is I got a copy of The Imitation of Christ, and I'd read it, and I'd studied it quite a bit. It meant a great deal to me. Thomas Akempis, yep. second chapter, begins with Calm Your Thirst for Knowledge, which totally destroyed a 20-something-year-old Matt. I mean, put me in the loony yeah, cycle yeah. for a while, deconstruction, whatever you want to call it. Um, just that phrase, Calm Your Thirst for Knowledge. Just it was like it was like somebody reached out from the book and said, "Slow right. your roll, homeboy." It was like and, this and, is and not to give context for it for those who who didn't know you earlier in life. Knowledge there was a you were starving, you were dehydrated, you were in this pursuit of knowledge, and it was yes. knowledge was everything given given the upbringing and community. And so for you to hear that, yes. we're not talking about the person who's just trying to pick up some knowledge here and there. This was this was everything to you. And so for all of a sudden, somebody it, to come out and put a road-closed sign in front it, of you. It, it was why it hit you so hard. Yes, it didn't say stop your thirst, knowledge. It didn't right, say stop your right, thirst. Right, right, calm your thirst. And the way it hit me, I was just, for whatever reason was so receptive when that came out. That is the day that I switched my paradigm. Now, it's taken a long, right. long, a long process. journey to get where I'm at now. But it started the journey in a very abrupt sense of I don't master a book or an author or a system of thought or a theology. It masters me. Hmm. And that began, I think, around the same time I was starting to learn Lexio Divina. 
a different way to read the Bible than I'd always learned it before. Mm-hmm. Prayerful. So anyway, um, yes. So that wrecked me. But what I what I'm what I'm trying to say is, uh, I picked it up and I started reading it, and I was like, wait, this doesn't sound mm. the same. Okay. And it was a different translation. And about two days later, um, I got a found a copy of the imitation of Christ that was a modern translation, almost like the what happened when the message, message translation yeah. of the Bible happened. Well, oh shit, this is in my vernacular. Yeah, yeah. My, my idiom. People I went crazy for it. Yeah. Oh, and since then, you know, cloud of unknowing. Once these things become public domain mm-hmm. then they can really the formatters the editors the people promoting it can really with an afterward and a forward and with a commentary and what they leave in and leave out they 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 can alter a work significantly now the average listener here may know exactly what you just said but for those of you who might be from the steve gallagher uh, world up. of analogies what Matt just said was the scrub daddy, the patent on it has expired. That's right. And there's going to be all of these. So when he talks about public domain, now all of a sudden people can do what they will with it. And there's no no repercussions. It's not copywritten, right? The copyright has expired. Now there's variations of the scrub daddy and it just isn't what it used to be. And it's not even the original scrub daddy. Or it might be a better scrub. Or it might be a better scrub daddy. And we talk about how it's so much. So yeah. So there we. So, yeah. so like the the. That's good. Like I think, the public, that, but, I but people couple, don't think this when they pick up a book. No, no, that's not your go to thought. Okay, understand this, people. A book is technology. It is. It is a technology. Before there were books, there were codexes and scrolls. Subliminal and there were thought. Scripture. Yes. Yes. Okay. I mean, that's that's what we don't get. It's a technology, and it gets 2.0s and 3.0s. The message, the and it new King James, the new international. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, did I benefit a great deal from Huck Finn? When I was a kid reading it, heck yeah, I did. Yeah. Did it for myself and for my white friends, reinforce some stereotypes and give license to uh, other and to some, if not racism, prejudice? Yes, it did. Yeah. Uh, here's an example of how there's truth and then there's also... Th- Again, like any technology, it's helpful, it's harmful. Um, For instance, when cars began to overtake, automobiles began to overtake horse and buggies, the huge deal was this is, they didn't use this terminology, but this is a cleaner, greener technology. Mm -hmm. You don't have entire vacant lots 20 feet high of horse manure being piled up that streams down the streets of New York when it rains. Wow. Look how much cleaner this is. Yeah. Well, it was until we under started understanding carbon emissions. 
and until and in, and until and until billions of people started using that technology. Right. And it's going to be the same thing with clean vehicles, with right. EVs, right? I mean, how do you think they make those batteries? Well, dude, I passed a new battery plant on the interstate. Oh, yeah. my God. Biggest building I've ever seen. So, just like that technology, learning can do those same kinds of things for us. I'll give one more example. A few years ago, we had some friends here, and they had a, uh, a kid, Nat, Natalie. Nat was uh, an avid reader. Mom was like, I know you like to read. And at the time, I was the children's pastor. So I said, well, I'll start reading books with Nat. I'll give Nat's books. We'll read. So one of my go-tos is Newbery Award winners. I like mm -hmm. children's books that have achieved that stamp, mm -hmm. right? And Hugo Lofting's The Adventures of Dr. Doolittle was one of the first. So I'm like, well, we'll start with this. This is a great story. There's movies out with it. You know, we'll be able to talk about the relationship with uh, humanity and animals because Dr. Doolittle could speak to all the animals. Right. And most people don't know Dr. Doolittle got really far-fetched. He had adventures to other continents. He discovered animal species. He flew on a moth to the moon. I mean, a lot of this stuff. Right? No Eddie Murphy. No Eddie Murphy at that point. Oh, okay. Or or da Robert Downey Jr., which I never saw that one. I didn't either. Uh, but I heard it was horrible. Anyway, all that to say, I picked the book up to take to church to give to Nat, say we'll start reading it. And I thought, hang on, let me just leaf through this. I don't know what gave me that pause, but I saw this picture where Dr. Doolittle in his illustration with his top hat, British, whatever, is somehow there is a another character that is drawn in a caricature of an African. So thick lips, all the things that you would be like, my God, that's horrible. Um, you know, just a caricature. And the African-Americans or the, not American, the Africans uh darkness is being blown off of him like the first part of him nearest to dr lou little is white and you see the darkness moving backward until there's black flecks in the air coming off of him and i had forgotten that dr doolittle encounters an african who falls in love with a white woman but for them to be together, Dr. Doolittle has to blow up no. the blackness off of the character. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, hmm, Nat's dad, Tam, he was a jerk to me the other day. Should I just go ahead and give her to this, give this yeah, to yeah, her yeah. and let him explain yeah. it? Or... Yeah. Uh, but I didn't. But you understand what I'm saying. Right. You know, a big thing here is they have recently changed the name of the Laurel Ingalls Wilder Award given to um, children's books because of the way 
that Native Americans were spoken about as savages and these kind of pieces mm. and portrayed in uh, the Little House on the Prairie series. But but I'm just saying, truth. Wow. Truth is relative. That's not to say there's not absolute truth, but mm. it's it it there. So I'm reading a lot of process theology right now. Okay. I've had quite a few books kind of all land on my reading list at the same time. And there's an odd synchronicity taking place, mm -hmm. which makes me think uh, the universe <laughs> or the Christ right. is trying to tell me something. And process thought introduced by Alfred North Whitehead and Charles Hartshorn. Uh, popularized by Dave Griffin and Bruce Epperly and uh, now Trip Fuller, Homebrew Christianity. Says that there is no God from without. Hmm. That everything is connected, including the divine. Yes. It's pantheism. It's that for God to be God, God has to be growing and emerging. Yes. Now, relatively speaking, God is omniscient and all-powerful and all-knowing compared to us. But God is, in the same way if you and I were to create something, mm -hmm. that, that invention, even though we were its creator and founded it, impacts us it grows our fortune it steals all of our money it causes us to have opportunities and to explore in the same way the creative force of the universe and the sustaining force of the universe what we would call god is also being affected by god's creation the the way that uh the way that i processed that the first time that I sat with that, I don't, I don't even remember what I was reading or listening to. Well, it uh, might've been roar. That's why I'm bringing it about well, back to this. No, this but that's what was roar. interesting was I was finding it in the non-Christian space. Okay. Yeah, sure. More of a, um, subconscious. This is how, I mean, stuff from the 1950s. Right. Right. Like, and, and sitting with, wait a minute. If, if we truly, let me depending on i would say based on where i thought that i was uh raised or how i was raised if the thought was you believe that the breath of <coughs> life in creation came from the divine in its original creation right so so genesis the the creator god breathes life he you know creates life all of these things are made by the creator right yep then all of these things must have an element of the creator's dna right that's called panentheism god is in all things right and and people people will immediately by labels go pantheism they'll they'll mispronounce it take it, misunderstand it, and think, yeah, oh, you're talking pantheism. about... Right, right. Pan-in-theism. 
field. Right. That's what I'm saying, though, is there's differences even in these words that are so similar, and you right. and you shut down because all of a sudden you go to, that's not Jesus, that's not what the Bible says, and so you shut down, right? Right. But if but you... It's not, it, but it, it's not pushing against the truth, it's pushing against your understanding yes. of the truth. And so as you sit with, wait a minute, if I believe this, and and the divine is continuing to reveal itself, to reveal himself, herself, if God is continuing to reveal himself to humanity, to nature, whether it's the yes. om, omniscience, whether it's the, the constant pro- progression, there is a constant movement. For me, this all started with... I had a a doctor look at me when when I was really just trying to climb out of the of the hole and he said movement represents life. Right. And and so he was saying to me, I need you to start your day moving. So he was saying go for a two mile walk. Right. Because that represents and if you're if you're laying there and sitting there, there was this this visual of anything that's stagnant doesn't have life or it it or it dies and decays so that was and and i know i know this is kind of on a side trail but it it is that that movement of we we must continue now again i've had friends that will shut down immediately when they hear that and say well you're talking about evolution and i go okay yeah like that's if if you want to go there i'm not talking about evolution but i am um, but again, they look for a label and then they shut down and it's just a matter of how do you hold this loosely so that you can experience, uh, a deeper revelation, a deeper experience. Um, how do you progress? How do you progress? So here's the thing, right? Now there, here's you, here, you, go ahead. you and I grew up, you and I grew up Arminian. For those folks who might not know what Armenian is. I thought we were Appalachian. Yeah. There's a couple of camps in theological circles. One one is uh, a um, a Calvinist Mm -hmm. after John Calvin. And that branch of Christianity truly stresses the sovereignty of God. Right? To the point where for some... Um, you have no say at all on whether you accept Christ or not. Predestination, Um, is that what? Predestination, those kinds of pieces. And again, there's lots of different branches and subsets of Calvinism, okay? We're we're talking in generalities here. But Arminius, what Pentecostals were on our Mm -hmm. era, it's AGE or Church of God folk, we believed, right, that you, free will, you chose to yes. receive the gospel or not. You could choose. And that's everyone has that option. All right. So if you think about it in terms of heaven and hell, right, then you have free will. Now, if you expand that, though, uh, to an Arminian Pentecostalism, where our prayer sessions and our churches were centered around the altar. Mm-hmm. 
not an altar call of whether or not you choose Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, but the altar, a time to come up and pray mm -hmm. at a part of the church, often in small rural churches, the stairs that lead up to the stage yes. or platform. And you pray, and you pray for healing, and you pray for deliverance, and you pray for all these different pieces. And a true Arminian Pentecostal believes that prayer changes things. Mm -hmm. Okay, I mean that was a that was a popular slogan. Every day, you move the arm that moves the world with your prayers mm -hmm. of our faith. If we can do this, if we can do that, then it will change. Mm -hmm. All right, ready for it? It'll change God. Yeah, yeah. But then you don't believe that God changes. So you start talking process, and you start talking about these pieces of people like God doesn't change. Right, only God our stayed, understanding of him. Yesterday, or... forever. Only our understanding. And God wants to heal us, but God waits for us to pray for it. Right. Waits for us to receive point, it. What's the formula? yeah. And but what if they're going to be coherent with their logic, then the thing that is constant about God is that God is always changing. Yeah, I'll say it this way I prefer escalators to stairs. <laughs> I'm a large land mammal, gravity has taken its toll. And I like escalators. But if an escalator stops moving, what is it? Stairs. It becomes stairs. In my thought, a God that stops processing mm -hmm. and emerging is an idol. Mm. I like that. I just came up with it. Nice. Trademark it, stamp it. I can go to bed. I, I can go to bed now. Saturday, January 21st, attributed to <laughs> Matt, Matthew Douglas Hewitt. Anyway, you get what I'm saying, no, right? Yeah. Why would I want a God that stopped? And and think about think about the repercussions of that, of what am I missing that I'm not getting the formula correct to get the right answer, which is, why didn't he heal... Yeah, mom. Why didn't he heal this friend? Why, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, I just haven't. I just haven't. We just haven't figured the formula out. Or it goes back to we're so broken. Well, if if we believe that, then we have to to continually fix ourselves or become good yeah. enough that if we'll just become good enough or if we'll just do enough, we will change God's mind. Right. So, I am, I am for. I, I want to give myself over to something that's ever growing and ever including and ever winding. And we haven't said this probably in a month or two, but that transcends and includes. Yeah. And that's who I want to be. You know, I can't tell you how many times I had seminary students who were convinced at the age of 18, 19, 20, even 23, 24, that they had, they had 
more to learn, but that their views of God would be the same yeah. 20 years Yeah, later. for 20 years. Well, no, I just need to know more nuances of what I already know. Mm-hmm. You haven't lived long enough. You haven't been exposed to enough. And, and there's something about not going through enough cycles. Uh, I won't say the monotony, but <clears throat> but there's enough... You've you've seen so many iterations and versions and witnessed and experienced that then all of a sudden there's something about midlife that can be a punch in the gut, right? Like, is this all there is to life? Right. And and the way that people lock up with that and and just resign that that's just how it has to be. Or that's just just the way it is. My therapist asked me this week, right? Uh, I was telling him. Because you can get that locked in space and that kind of stuff. And it can. You, you can get to that point. Is this all there is to life? Whatever. And a lot of times that can move you into some kind of midlife crisis where you mm -hmm. all of a sudden go beating the doors mm -hmm. and trying new things out and those kind of pieces. And I, I, uh, a good section portion of our time together Thursday was me saying, I'm feeling the opposite, man. Mm -hmm. Like I feel content. Like I've never felt content in my life. Are there things I want to do or there things? Mm -hmm. Of course there are. Um, is there going to be movement and change? Perhaps. I said, but I don't feel like I'm running from anything or running to something. I I just feel centered. I feel but centered not in a I'm stuck way. Mm -hmm. Just content. And I'm like, is that weird? Yeah. I, I don't know a lot of my – I mean, you're there, but – I. I don't know a lot of my friends our age who aren't trying to figure out what's oh, next gosh, or how yeah. can I, how can I, and like, there's a piece of me, this is weird to say, and it may sound morbid, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel that way at all. It's not coming from any kind of despondency or despair or anything like that. But if I laid my head down tomorrow and died, mm -hmm. don't know that I have any major regrets, not yeah. that I haven't screwed things up and whatever, but right, like, right. Well, you didn't do this or achieve this or do that. or And I'm just kind of like, I don't feel that um, compulsion That's, inside. Uh, as you say that, my mind immediately goes to the Kempis quote. That, yeah, yeah. That grabbed you some 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, I mean... I feel like the journey's inward, and if you get to a place of, what did I say last week? It was a Buddhist quote I just read. The goal is to kind of be attached to nothing but connected to everything. Mm -hmm. And there's something there's something I, I, that's like, awakening, I I, energizing, but peaceful about that. Right. There's no striving. It doesn't, mm -hmm. I mean, and I'm not saying I don't have my moments or those kind of pieces. Right, right. I certainly haven't 
become enlightened in some kind of weird nirvanic way or you know i haven't achieved anything like that yeah but peace i true you know i i sign most of my emails still in one piece mm-hmm. but instead of p-i-e-c-e it's p-e-a-c-e uh and i think i stole that from leonard sweet 20 years ago um but that's kind of a goal of mine to be still. Right. That's good. The one piece. Um, anyway. And before hey, we started a- recording today, that was, I had complimented you on, Hey, I've noticed this kudos on that, that, that piece that's surrounding you now, that, that aura around you of being calm. Aura. Right. What were you getting ready to say? You were shifting gears. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Yesterday I learned what an egg corn is. An egg horn? Egg corn. Egg corn. An egg corn is a type of speech that is either a misspelling or a mispronunciation, but it makes sense. Okay. An example. So a lot of people, a lot of people, the reason the name itself is an example. There are a lot of people, there's some regions in the country that instead of acorn, mm-hmm. think it's egg corn. Because it looks like a little bit of corn and a little bit of an egg. Wow. I know. I had not encountered that, but that's what they choose yeah, to yeah, name yeah. it off of. A more uh salient or prominent uh or popular example of an acorn would be old timers so when people instead say of, alzheimer's instead of calling it alzheimer's it's old timers and it sounds like alzheimer's and your mind goes to old timers because typically it's older people who get right. alzheimer's wow you know um so i learned what acorns are. I've never I don't know if I've ever heard that. I'm gonna I had not until yeah. yesterday. So I am going to start trying to introduce an egg corn in each of our talks. Nice. Uh not mine and your talks, but whistling the pig. And I think we need to get some merch so we can send some free prizes out to the first person in the comment section who identifies the egg corn of the week. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, let us know what would be some ideas for merch uh, if you're, for those of you listening. Uh, if oh, there's things and just that you one would, more you thing, would like. thing. For all those people who say God never changes, <coughs> then what the hell do you do with the incarnation? Mm. And they'll say, well, God exists outside of time and space, and God was always in Jesus. There, You know, there was a pre-incarnate Jesus yeah, yeah. and a post-incarnate. Jesus and all those kind of things. Well, what do you do with the scripture that says Jesus? You say was God. I say is God. But you, what do you do with the verse that he grew in wisdom and in stature mm. and in favor with God and men? Hmm. What do you what, what do you what do you do with that? Yeah, that's good. I'm I'm I mean you know where I'm at. Yeah. So somehow we talked about process theology today. Process theology. It is 
I was processed before I knew I was processed. When you say process, the way you just said it, it made me think of cheese whiz. I love processed cheese. Processed cheese. Mm. Hey, guys, if you have some time, you should watch Phil Collins live concerts <laughs> on YouTube. Steve woke me up the other night. What time was it? Some... Like 10 or 11? I thought it was more like 8. Yeah, that's but right. But I was asleep. I was asleep. You were in deep sleep. I was in deep sleep, and Steve woke me up to want to talk about professional wrestling. Yes. I, I'm not, I, and I'm, it's everything I can do to not want to talk more of that here, but I, I, I think know. I got stuck on it last week, and so I've like made well, this we, taboo sign. We'll start another We'll start another podcast. Yes, where we just talk about, yes. Um, but. What happened is I could not go back to sleep till like three in the morning. So I watched a lot of YouTube Phil Collins. How did you He's get on great. Phil Collins though? That's what I never I understood. I just saw it on my How do you YouTube how do you feed. get on anything in YouTube, right? Yep. But I'll say this to you also, and that is there is a group on YouTube called Jolly. All capital J O L L Y. Okay. And it's these British guys that travel around eating different things and it's the reactions to it they have a four-part series that was only supposed to be a three-part uh-oh on them traveling to the southeast of america and eating southern food mm. so they do breakfast in i want to say they did breakfast in savannah they did lunch in charleston oh they went to they, the the bougier spots. No, 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 no. They, not really. Okay. But we're getting there. It's their third deal. They went somewhere in Georgia to eat barbecue. And there okay. was the reason, and they were met there with a sh chef, right? Okay. Um, who won like master chef with Gordon Ramsay. So that's how they knew of him. Okay. Right? So he ate barbecue with them and it's this, they're experiencing Southern barbecue and, and, baked beans which they had some kind of religious experience with the baked beans but my favorite was is it was that chef's birthday and so they had a a surprise fourth episode which is this chef but he's a good southern boy took him to waffle house at 3 a.m nice the morning, there you go it was so good so if you get a chance <laughs> to watch jolly on youtube a couple of brits eat southern food I would just go to episode. I'd go it. straight There's to episode four when they're there. Yeah, I may watch the end of episode. It's pretty, three, but I would good. have to go. But they're amazed. But they're amazed by they're amazed by banana pudding. They're amazed oh, by yeah. grits. They're amazed by biscuit and gravy. They don't even because biscuits are cookies, right? In in England, in the UK, so they they're like what and. Oh, sweet tea and the fact that waitresses just come up and fill you your cup while you're not even looking. While you're not like, even what looking. What is this? Some type of, bottomless. What is this? Some unlimited sweet tea? And, and the tea, they're like, my God, this is tea syrup. <laughs> I love tea syrup. Anyway, it's just, it's oh. fascinating. There's a couple of times on there where they're like, so the secret is add more fat. That's the secret. Butter and fat <laughs> and, and salt. Yeah. Yep. Hey, have you seen Slap Fighting? 
God Almighty! I sent you. Did you not see that piece I sent where the guy's face immediately? Just yes, swollen? that's what I'm saying. Is when I I had sent you when I first stumbled upon it, it was yeah. like some underground thing, and now Dana White is looking. Dana White, who well, it was a, owns the UFC, is looking at buying. It it was underground, and then it they started some European leagues, some Russia. That the Romanian leagues. guy that you sent. Yeah, and then it went underground in the States, and now the UFC's got a uh, got their own deal. But yeah, it's I've, pretty, listen, it's, I've never seen anybody that looked like the Romanian. Thing ever. Yes, but the Romanian, this guy's face, oh, yeah. has been Instantly. like I've, and they only get three slaps. Yeah, and I don't know if you've seen it, but the I, I watch a couple of. I watch a couple of uh, strongmen who do reaction videos, you know, to other strongmen and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were watching slap fighting. But the girls' league in Europe, for whatever reason, they're in, like, small skirts and whatever. And he's like, so you got to get dolled up to get slapped? Is that, yeah. You know, and, of course, he's like, I'm for it. I'm in it. But, I mean, the person <laughs> will like, put cotton in their ear so that the, the, that the cheek that they're getting slapped on, they don't do ear damage. Guard. And they put a mouth guard in and do that. But it's three slaps, same hand, same side of the face. I've never, like, I've been watching this for a few months. Here and there, I'll it'll pop up, you know, how the algorithm does. But when you sent me the Romanian, yeah, I don't know what type of slapping they're hit. doing there. Well, I've watched a couple of doctors' reactions to that video, and so you have this fascia nerve, which was one yeah. of the problems that I had. That comes from behind your ear and kind of goes to the top of okay. your face and the middle and the side. And it controls, you know, it's the nerves. So yeah. it's the one lighting up your muscles. It controls yeah, yeah. facial movements and all that. Well, he just, he immediately had such severe nerve damage. Oh my gosh. By that, by that slap that the entire side of his face. Blew out. Uh, blew out. And more disturbing to the doctor was the fact that it all slid down like a bell pulse. Yes. So it not only inflated with uh, it's the baboons with the big with the big cheeks, uh, but it just slides. But down. it just slides down, and he's a he's a he's a hefty guy, big guy, like power lifter. Yeah. So the other thing that I saw this week was uh, reaction videos to George Jones. He stopped loving uh, her today. I showed you that. No, you didn't send that. I did send that. So I'm not even giving I you did. credit. I I, I know. Well, here's the here's the secret, guys. Two to three times a week, maybe two to four, I will go on a deep dive oh, for gosh. about two hours on Instagram. And I'll get 30 DMs. And Nicole and Steve will get 30 direct messages. And it's just a flood of them. But they're great. Yeah, yeah, that was... And some of them I've sent you, like the No Context Dusty and those. Oh, yeah, and now, yeah, you're, yeah, now, yeah. We're, now we're recycling those. But um, the, yeah, I saw a reaction to George Jones. He stopped loving. They weren't her even last people night. weren't even fully. Only one guy fully grasped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of them are like, "Oh no, he committed suicide," and I'm like, "No, he didn't." No, missing the point. Yeah, yeah. And so, anyway, but, and you uh, saw George Jones live in concert, one of his last concerts in Lakeland. In Lakeland, Florida, you got to go. It see felt him. like a Benny Hinn conference. <laughs> I've never seen more crutches and walkers put to the side of an auditorium uh, oh more than gosh. any healing thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, 
and George himself needed a stool. You said I thought you said they wheeled him out, didn't they? Or they carted him out or something? He I never saw him off the stool. Yeah. But I know this, he had a woman singing with him and he could not keep his breath. And before the end of the tour was over, he died. Mm. Well, you did see him on his last leg. Oh, yeah, it was not his finest. You know why they called him the possum? Because he didn't show. That's right? what I was told. But when he was young, he looked like a possum. That's true. Like because his face was skinnier and he had kind of the pointier his nose. Nose. His nose yeah. was Hey, y'all, this will give you a little bit of where I'm at. I love where I live. But this will give you a little taste, Steve. It's almost like we're back home in our respective Virginia, Alabama. Yesterday, a kid came in, uh, one of mine that I love dearly. She's like, look at my eye. I'm like, oh, God, what happened? And she said, my pet possum uh, <laughs> dug on to, dug into my eye last night. I'm like, yep. Yep. Sounds, That's where we are. It's like, it's like that time I walked into the, uh, pr- the free medical clinic here in Bryson, and a woman was sitting there, and my job was to pray for them when they were done with their doctor visit. And uh, her shin, her leg was all bandaged up. I'm like, what happened? She said, neighbor's hog attacked. <laughs> I'm like, what? She ran straight over to my yard and just started gnawing on my leg. <laughs> Took him to get him off of him with a broom. And I'm like. No, listen, and that sounds like, why did you let them? Our neighbor here had some yeah. hogs. Those are the smartest. Oh, yeah. And most, I mean, like, they just come at you and you're like trying, yeah. So don't don't be quick to judge that the woman sat there and let them chew. But yes, that's. No, but that is something. I'm saying somebody who was listening, right. Yeah. So so what you get in the South and in Appalachia, you know, is, well, last night I prayed for a woman who got attacked by a hog. Pray for her leg. But it was just matter of fact. Yeah. It wasn't like like this is a normal thing. You won't believe this. Right. It was like, well. I know this sounds like a crazy story. Nope. No. Just saying it like like it is. Like it is. All right. All right, man. You want to close this out? Yeah. Hey, thanks if you were listening to us, sticking with us through our ups and downs and twists and turns. It's kind of what we do. Yes. Uh, I know we're an acquired taste. Uh, But here's the deal. Speaking of taste, there's a lot to taste of life. Good, the bad, strange, um, and uh, it's best when it's done with someone else. Life's too awesome and too devastating to live it alone. So, do what you can to identify someone to be your friend, to be your whistle pig, or to be your bear. And uh, find them and start pouring into that uh, right now. We love you. I love you, friend. Love you, buddy. All right. Have a great week. Yep. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed Whistle Pig and the Bear. You can follow and message us on Instagram at whistlepig underscore the bear. Thanks for listening.